श्रीला गुरुदेव पतित पवान की जाय श्री हरिनाम प्रभु की जाय श्री श्री गोर राधा महादेव की जाय गोर भक्त वृंद की जाय गोर प्रमानंद गुड इवनिंग वेलकम टू ऑल ऑफ यू वेरी हैप्पी टू बी हियर अगेन and uh, well today we, i have been for some almost a week a little bit less like 6 days have the fortune of sharing with the devotees in um rally and other nearby areas and the idea was to share some words about upadeshamrita specifically the first four verses of this treatise by shri rupa goswami <coughs> so it seems that the experience was interesting and yesterday we we had our last meeting and well, basically the devotees asked that if we may try to continue the explanation of the remaining uh, 11 verses uh, sorry seven verses 11 in total so with your permission and blessings we will try to share some words about those verses during these days and um, basically trying to develop what Sri Rupa Goswami says in a very encapsulated form in these 11 verses that really contain everything that is in, in his heart, if you will. He's the one, Sri Chaitanya Manovishtan, he's the one who knows the mind of Sri Rupa Goswami, uh, of Sri Mahaprabhu, uh, who was able to present Mahaprabhu's desires and heart to the world through his writings. So he wrote so many important, deep, esoteric texts, like... Ujjwala Nilamani, Bhaktira Samrita Sindhulalita Mal, Bidagda Mal, Kalika Valari, so many. But this Upadha Samrita contains like in a seed form all those things. No? So it's a very important text. In our class, first class we mentioned how the background of the text is that actually these teachings were shared by Mahaprabhu, being in Puri, on the shore of the ocean, entering into Samadhi, going out, and just saying some things and those same some things were these verses that Rupa Goswami wrote and eventually shared with us so in one heart, in one sense this is mahaprabhu's um subtitles of his samadhi no? <laughs> that those things he was experiencing no? and he started by speaking about control the impulse of speech no it may seem very basic <laughs> but all these ba- verses in a very sequential hierarchical way if you will gradually building to a particular zenith are really creating a proper as we say foundation stage um whatever will be going in the stage eventually so i won't explain detail what we saw in the last four classes it would be too much but our last talk yesterday we were uh describing a little bit about the fourth verse of sri padishamrita this four verse um has to do with how to deal between vaishnavas no? so that's a very important thing vidati pratigrinati here rupa goswami mentions six types of pratilakshanam of loving exchanges between vaishnavas so we were trying to share yesterday about how this this principle should be really establishes a whole regulative principle if you will for vaishnava relationship for sadhu sangas guru maharaj always points we progress in some other schools they progress by vairagya 
they progress by tiag, by detachment, by detachment basically. And he say we progress by by attachment, <laughs> by sangha. So sangha also means attachment, not only means association, but it speaks about a particular type of association that you should get attached to. That's the whole idea of sadhu sangha. Get attached to <clears throat> to those things we are associated to. And because of that, Srila Rupa Goswami mentioned these six exchanges, giving, receiving gifts, um, revealing the mind, asking in a confidential way, and giving and receiving. <laughs> so all the things are in- interchangeable, if you will. Giving prasad is a form of giving a gift, of giving, opening your heart. No? Revealing the mind is a form of giving prasad, because prasad means a form of grace. <laughs> it's a form of gift. So all the six are trying to say the same, the same thing. No? I mean, give, but also receive the importance of being opening to properly receiving. You have to be humble to receive a gift from the Vaishnava, which implies that is maintaining me. No? Whatever gifts we are receiving from above, uh, we are sustaining our spiritual life by the strength of such a gift. So, so Guru Maharaj said, we progress by Sangha. And because of that, we should be very careful about how we deal uh, intimately, with who we are dealing intimately, because those intimate dealings will create attachment. Attachment, as you know, creates an identity. Our present sense of identity is a result of our attachment. So, Sadhu Sangha means get attached to the Sadhu and develop some scars for an identity of a sadhu. I mean, we want to be sadhus, so we have to get attached to the sadhus. This is what the Bhagavad says. Prajangam majuram tushamatmano kavayomidu. Mokshadwarama pabrita. By attaching to this world, all entanglement is born. By attaching to the sadhu, doors of liberations are opened. So, the only thing is just take the attachment and direct in the proper direction. So, Rupa Goswami explaining the in a very detailed way how to well how to express this in in connection to the point of Sadhu Sangha that he had been emphasizing so much in the previous verses. So how to relate with Sadhus, how to speak with Sadhus, no? that should be our PhD, not to become graduate in how to speak from Vaishnav to Vaishnav. No? Both parties should be gra- ready eventually to become Vaishnavs and to establish relationship from the, Vaish, the one's Vaishnavism to the other's Vaishnavism, basically. So, <clears throat> basically, yesterday we were speaking about that in detail, of course. And something that I didn't, I was not able to share yesterday, but I would like to share today if you give me some minutes of your valuable time and your valuable human life, is some one little article that was written by Dhanurdhar Maharaj some time ago. It's not an article, it's some little words that he wrote about what's Vaishnava Sangha. Since we were speaking about what's Vaishnava Sangha, and I consider it's really proper to, very short, to complement with what we are speaking before entering into today's topic. Srila Rupa Goswami will explain basically, okay, we have this loving exchanges with sadhus, but there are different types of sadhus, different levels of devotees, so how to interact with each one. Now, today we will get more and more specific in that direction. But first some words about Vaishnava Sangha. Hmm? So it says like this. 
the title of the text is What is Vaishnava Sangha, basically. Vaishnava <clears throat> Sangha is an assembly of devotees mutually dedicated to the assembly's objective, the glorification of the Supreme Lord. As all members of the Vaishnava Sangha are focused on that objective, personal objectives become secondary. Although the leaders and senior Vaishnavas may help guide the Sangha and are appropriately respected, all participated members, members sorry, are deeply and equally valued as essential members of the Sangha. Cooperation in a Vaishnava Sangha is spontaneous and manifests genuinely out of the feelings of natural attachment and respect for authority within the Sangha. As much as practical within the Sangha, corporate or hierarchical structures of authority are not forcefully or externally imposed. The channel of relationships and communication in a Vaishnava Sangha is open due to the trust among its members. Sangha members thus get the maximum benefit from each other's insights, including the realizations of its more spiritually mature members. As mercy flows so freely in a Vaishnava Sangha, a Vaishnava Sangha naturally inspires humility in its members, which is the natural response to mercy. The active service of a Vaishnava Sangha are born from a humble mood of service and thus truly become seva, or devotional service. As the members of the Vaishnava Sangha are humble, they are constantly absorbed in Nams and Kirtan. A Vaishnava Sangha is confident in the mercy. Sorry, a Vaishnava Sangha is confident in the mercy it is experiencing within its Sangha. The members welcome and value any participant or visitor from any Sangha or organization as long as they sincerely want to serve the Sangha's objectives. A Vaishnava Sangha does fear Vaishnava Aparat. Its members deal very carefully and respectfully with everyone. A Vaishnava Sangha is thus the yoga of association, where members naturally control their minds and senses out of respect and appreciation for the association and care they are receiving within the Sangha. The duty of an Acharya is to create Vaishnava Sangha based on the six loving exchanges of a Vaishnava, the ones here in these four verses. To assist in its development is the best offering of service for his pleasure. A Vaishnava Sangha is most attractive. Sincere people will appreciate it. Pure devotees will naturally gravitate towards it. It is the basis of spreading Vaishnava Dharma. Some extra words regarding some extension of the idea of what Sadhu Sangha or Vaishnava Sangha, the, the very same word. No? So as I was saying, <coughs> in these very first verses we already have studied, uh, these four verses are really centered on, 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 on Sadhu Sangha, on Vaishnava Sangha, on attachment, on progress through attachment to the Sadhu. So now, uh, and, and, and I feel they are very connected to the stages of Sraddha, Sadhu Sangha, Nartana, Briya, Bhanu, and Kriya. Now in the fifth and sixth verse, Rupa Goswami will enter into more specific, detailed conception of what's different types of Vaishnavas and how to appreciate Vaishnavas even though they may seem to have certain physical or psychic imperfections. No? So that's much more connected to the conception of Nishta that is also connected to the idea of becoming a Madhyam, 
devotee, which means someone who starts to use their his her criteria in order to know who is who, what is what, and and knows how to properly reciprocate with each one, uh, how to separate form from essence. And then the remaining verses will speak to us, of course, about higher, even higher stages. So let's go with verse uh, number five. Hmm? Uh, Maybe we reach number six today also, let's see. It says like this. Krishneti yasya giritam manasadrieta dikshasti chet pranati bhis chabajantamisham Sushrusaya bhajana viknyama nanyamanya nindadi sunyahrida mipshita sangalapya. So, the translation says, One should mentally honor the devotee who chants the holy name of Lord Krishna. Who should, uh, one should offer humble obeisances to the devotee who has undergone spiritual initiation, diksha, and is engaged in worshipping the deity. And one should associate with and faithfully serve that pure devotee who is advanced and in undeviated devotional service and whose heart is completely devoid of the propensity to criticize others. It's a very nice verse, this fifth one. We see here it starts to enter into a certain category of sadhus and how to properly conceive them and of course to properly conceive them implies how to properly reciprocate with them all in the spirit of service all in the spirit of seva the topmost Vaishnava intermediate new one junior whatever so first line he's speaking about the the first one, one should mentally honor someone who is chanting Hare Krishna. As Mahaprabhu once said, some, sometimes this, these three types of devotees are connected in a very general way with the three stages of devotion, Kanishta, Madhyam and Uttam. And actually we will elaborate on that today because all the commentators on the Padishamrita are doing that regarding this verse. Basically saying the first level of devotee, Kanishta Bhakta, Someone who is chanting Hare Krishna. No? Mahaprabhu said, that who says once, only one time Krishna, already he enters into a separate category. <laughs> Very generous. No? Mahabhadanya avatar. <laughs> so one should mentally honor, no? have some respect for someone who, is, who has said, no? or who chants here and there, Hare Krishna. No? One should, he says here, offer... Hmm? Pranam, pranatibis, pranam, the pranat, offer pranam to someone who has undergone diksha and who is on a daily basis performing their sadhana, his sadhana, worshiping deity, no? implies a much more established and committed no? sense of practice, more connected with the madhyam stage that generally starts from nishta. And nishta speaks to us about sustainability in the practice, no? not, not so much ups and downs like the previous stages. And regarding the topmost devotee or Uttam Bhakta, Anyan, he says, Rupa Goswami, he says, such devotee is advanced in undeviated devotional service, what's called sometimes Ananya Bhakti. Ananya Ananya means other. Ananya means no other. So no separate interest, but just sometimes we call Sudha Bhakti, 
Ananya Bhakti, Keval Bhakti, like one-pointed Bhakti, unindeviated, Haituki Abradehada, unmotivated, uninterrupted. To such person, he say, okay, here, here he is saying like this, Vidami Pshita No, His association, you should be very desireful, no. You have full desire of gaining that association, basically. Desirous. Okay, thank you. So one should be really greedy, basically, the idea is here, about getting his association, labdya, no? obtaining that thing. So, <clears throat> so the idea is, this verse is connected to the previous one, Sri Rupa Goswami mentioned how to properly reciprocate with this Vaishnav, uh, how to properly re- relate with the Vaishnavs, but then you realize, but there are different levels of Vaishnavas. So first, establish that, awake to that reality, become acknowledged that there are levels, not only black and white as we always speak, but so many layers. And uh, according to each Vaishnava Atikar, I mean, if you want to please someone, you will really will try to awake to his her Adhikar. That's not a way of discriminating in a negative way. And that's a very important point. How to properly reciprocate, how to properly uh, serve each and every person. If, if a newcomer comes and I try to serve him as I will serve my guru, maybe that newcomer will not be able to fully deal with it, with it no? <laughs> digest the whole situation. So there are some way, but always in the spirit of service. So let's analyze a little bit the three, these three stages of devotional practice starting with Kanishta mm-hmm. Kanishta Adhikar so Kanishta as you know means like weak Ka Nishta Nishta means firm faith but Ka Nishta means not so firm faith no? some some still some Komal Shraddha as we speak sometimes not yet Sastriya Shraddha but more low kiki Shraddha some type of mundane faith and certain sentimentalism is there Srimad Bhagavatam uses the word Prakrita Bhakta to describe the Kanishta. Interesting. Prakrita means materialist. So it sounds strange. No? The materialist devotee. It seems like oxymoron. No? One word contradicting. <laughs> so like implying he's a devotee, but still, I mean, one foot here, one foot there. Work in progress. If he's sincere, he will grow till Madhyam and so many other stages. But in the beginning, it's like mainly affected by mm-hmm. by external issues, by external consideration, not a Saragrahi Vaishnava yet, <laughs> but what Bhaktivinoda will call a Barabahi not someone who becomes overtly like uh, dealing with a heavy burden, unnecessary heavy burden of being a f- having a formal conception of things being more attached to the external than to the internal, like more what we call Bahiranga Bhakta, an external devotee Siddhar Maharaj will say that devotee goes to the temple and maybe in the temple he's really no? Tilak, Kunti, it's everything nice. Diriti, Kirtan but he crosses out the door of the temple and other person appears there. (laughs) So he cannot maintain the devotional sense of identity out of the temple basically. This is what is implied when sometimes it is said that the Kanisha only thinks in terms of the deity and me. No? At that moment, he becomes aware. Okay, 
God, myself, which he leaves the temple and so many other considerations. And uh, of course, this idea of the deity and me also implies the Kanishta Bhakta is not yet able to accommodate the associates of the Lord in the picture. He only thinks in terms of Krishna and me. That which, which implies he has no deep realization yet of Krishna because we know Krishna is never alone. So Krishna has his permanent retinue. So if you think about Krishna and you don't see any, anyone else, which, that, which is that Krishna basically? No? <laughs> it's a very particular weird Krishna. No? Krishna is already weird in a charming way. But that's not so charming. That weirdness is not so charming. <laughs> so th- she, think, he, she thinks in terms of my guru and me, deity and me, but no more than that. Okay, deity and me, Gurudev and myself. But we stop there, period. <laughs> no. But we know we have to expand the bigger picture till we are able to accommodate all the sources of Krishna, all the sources of Sri Guru, as we spoke the other day, as Srila Maharaj nicely expressing his song, Jai Sachinandan, when he was glorifying Mahaprabhu, all the associates of Mahaprabhu, his Guru Maharaj, the disciples of his Guru Maharaj, no? like putting all of them into the picture. It's not only Mahaprabhu and Nitya Parishads and I don't have no one else to glorify. But no, he even extended that to his God brothers. And you may say some of them may not be Nitya Siddhas or Siddhas of any type yet, who knows, there may be Sadakas. But he was just glorifying them considering their their sincerity, their potential, their prospect. And, uh, it's a matter of time that we, they will enter that retinue. So, we glorify that as well. <laughs> but again, Kanista Bhakta, mainly attracted by this unrealistic idea of, of devotion, of Krishna, of Guru. Guru is never alone. Krishna is never alone. For example, when he sees the Guru, he may also be inspired by certain relative qualities in the Guru. Oh, he sings so nicely. Oh, he knows so many verses. He pronounced Bengali so nice. Oh, he smiled to me today, tomorrow morning so nice and so inspired. But you are really not appreciating his saranagati, his surrender, his de- what he's really expecting from you. you the Kanish is not yet aware. It's more in the... As Bhakti Pragyan Kesa Maharaj will say, that type of devotee still is enjoying his senses with the qualities of the Guru. She said, "Want that? If you see in your guru many qualities, but you don't appreciate his Vaishnavata or the main quality that makes him a Vaishnav, which is which is between the twenty famous twenty six, Krishna Ikasharanam, he's exclusively surrendered to Krishna. If you do not appreciate that, but you see, oh, he's tolerant, he's funny, he sings nicely, but you are not seeing the main one, Saranagati. You are just enjoying, with exploiting." the resources, if you will, <laughs> enjoying this, your senses with the Guru qualities. So mainly he said you have to appreciate his surrender in such a way that it inspires you. It's a call for your own surrender. Hmm? So, <clears throat> so Kanishta, yet Kanishta Bhakta lacks a little bit this type of conception, but if he's fortunate, by proper association, he will gradually awake to that reality. And the real hope for a Kanishta Dikarya's association of a higher Vaishnava. Because if not, his immature mentality can also easily take him to Aparat. So it's a very 
delicate chapter, if you will. Srila hmm? Jiva Goswami mentions that the Jikanishta um, Dikar also, since he doesn't know how to appreciate devotees yet, uh, he he doesn't also he lacks also the capacity of appreciating people in general. I mean, he only thinks Krishna and me, Guru and me. He doesn't have the sensibility to know which other non-devotee, if you will, people in which st- stage there are. He she lacks that criteria. So because of that, Jiva Goswami says, thus, Kanishtadikar is not fit for preaching. We should, yeah, of course, we should see how to accommodate that, no? Because, <laughs> because preaching, but preaching implies, because we see also, no, the result of preaching, or in the name of preaching, <laughs> certain things that are basically anti-preaching. Fanaticism, fundamentalism, and approaching audiences without considering their situation, without considering our situation, <laughs> and just doing a disaster in the name of Krishna consciousness, no? So, Krishna consciousness is, as one once white devotee say, Krishna consciousness expands not due to us, but in spite of us. <laughs> he was saying, and he was saying, if there is a main obstacle to the expansion of Krishna consciousness, that's the members of the movement of Krishna consciousness. <laughs> if they do, if they misrepresent the movement, that will be the main obstacle to the proper development of the movement. Because of this Prabhupada said, you know, this whole movement can be destroyed only from inside. Only if we do not know how to properly represent that to others and to to, to ourselves to begin with. You know. So because of this Silajiva Goswami say ideally a Madhyam Bhakta should be the a preacher. Because preaching means you are speaking to other people and you have to understand which is the situation, which is their background, how to speak, what to say, what not to say, how to preach to devotees, different levels of the I mean, Kanista doesn't have all those considerations, so he may just throw some copy-paste dialogue that he downloaded last day from Google and give the class with that and, and make it thermal in, in the audience. No? So <laughs> Something that also characterizes the Kanista Dikari is that he still easily becomes like affected by Asatsanga. Since he, he has no the discernment between different types of Sangha sometimes he's, sometimes he imitates the Uttam Bhakta maybe you know? oh everything is nice and everyone I will, I will see Krishna everywhere no? and he ends in the, in the bar trying to follow in the footsteps of Nityananda Prabhu <laughs> without realizing that he's actually imitating not following the footsteps and he starts to yeah to, to remain in Asat Sangha and became affected by that. No? Well, the Madhya Madhikar, you know, he's more like, careful about that. And the Uttam Bhakta, of course, he can be anywhere. And instead of being affected, he will be affected, affecting whoever is close to him. And so that's a very different, <laughs> a very different situation. It's very interesting that uh, on, on general situations, the um, the Kanishta Bhakta and the Uttam Bhakta are similar. No? As Guru Mahārāj sometimes said, the, the Kanishta Bhakta lacks certain discernment and criteria and, and the Uttam Bhakta is also lost, but from a very different <laughs> perspective. <laughs> so our immediate goal should be the Madhyam stage, not just 
imitating a Kanishta one like this. No? <coughs> so, the, the, as I say, the Madhyama Dikari is really aware, or a little, a little bit like, um, yeah, cautious no? about what. Kir- oh, there's some kirtan. Which kirtan? Who is leading the party? No, as Bhaktivinoda you know, Thakur would say, some kirtan party should be led by a pure devotee, or well, at least conducted with the blessings of such a person. Oh, there's one being some harikata. Oh, there's some prasad. Who, which prasad? Which, no, like Siamarabha said, I mean, we shouldn't become just like, which prasad? Who quote? Oh, no, I don't know. But the point is, we should not just take whatever it comes as the highest thing, because it may not be. I remember once some devotees went with to Srila Siddhar Maharaj with one tape and there was some kirtan they, they heard and they really liked but they didn't know who was the one singing so they thought I will, well, let's ask Guru Maharaj about he may know no? if this is legal or not so they put the t- Guru Maharaj said we want to know if you allow us to hear this kirtan we, because we, it's really nice Really nice. <laughs> you will see how they play Mridanga and they sing. And so, but we will, we will, we will like to have your blessings in case you give your blessings. Oh, implying give our, give the blessings. So nice, cute. <laughs> so they, Guru Maharaj said, put the tape. So they put the tape. No, like two seconds. Hari, stop. Sahaja, he says. <laughs> stop. No, so both are like. Oh. So we cannot hear. <laughs> no. So my point is, if you really develop your your sense of refine your perception, you will feel, oh, this is not the proper background. But at Kanishta level, you may take, oh, this kirtan is so nice, and maybe some mayavad sahaja, some non-devotional according to our conception background. There. So the point is that. Being that the Madhyam Bhakta is so fixed in this idea of trying to take care of certain details, the Kanishta Dikar will see that in his sentimentalism. So, oh, you are being offensive. No. Why are you so thinking so much about everything? You just accept the mercy of Krishna. <laughs> but he will say that in a very sentimental way, not in a Uttam Bhakta-like way. So that may take the Kanishta Bhakta to engage in certain critique and maybe apparatus towards the Madhyam Bhakta. So that's a very delicate point, as I say. So it's important that the, that the Kanishta Bhakta is properly guided to appreciate what the Madhyam Bhakta is doing and saying and understand, oh, that's beyond me. I, I Better I do not no, engage so much in that direction because I may get confused. But, but if the Kanishta is properly guided, eventually he will mature and be able to feel, to see, to appreciate what the Madhyam Bhakta is, is seeing, no? is feeling, whatever. No? Do you follow the idea? No? So it doesn't seem too glorious to be a Kanishta Dikar, <laughs> but there is some glory to it. As I said, it's a type of Adhikar. Adhikar means eligibility. And in Bhakti, as we said yesterday, our eligibility comes by costless mercy. And mercy is what qualifies us. If you try to qualify yourself outside of the range of mercy, you are actually disqualifying you. Disqualifying? No? So be careful of trying to increase your qualification, your adhikar, without no? taking shelter in, in proper mercy, in proper sadhu sangha. 
So, Kanishta Dikari is also a glorious position, as this famous, very famous story of Srila Puri Maharaj with Srila Siddhar Maharaj, you know this one, no? That Srila Siddhar Maharaj said, Puri Maharaj, Kanishta Dikari. All of you know it? Yeah. yeah. So that eventually, to make the long story short, when the devotees, disciples of Srila Puri Maharaj misunderstood that Srila Siddhar Maharaj had said that, he said something else, <laughs> and Srila Puri Maharaj heard Srila Siddhar Maharaj say that you were Kanishna Dikar. You know, if you know Srila Puri Maharaj, you also imagine the situation. He was like this, and he's like, Sarah, you know. I start to glorify. No? Jai Srila Siddhar Maharaj. He considers, I have some Adhikar for Bhakti. No? Jai, he's so merciful, so generous. I don't even have any Adhikar to become. So, as Gumara said, that's a Uttam Bhakta. <laughs> no? Such reactions won't come from Kanishta Adhikar, from someone below that, not even from Madhyama, in a spontaneous way, like he's really no? top in the above section. No? So, so the point is, I mean, it's something that we respect, something that we honor, it's something that we will try to serve. And because of that, Srila Rupa Goswami here says, try to mentally honor that person who is chanting Hare Krishna, but maybe not in the most comprehensive way, mature way, but is engaged already in the practices under the shelter of Bhakti Devi. So, as Guru Mahal said, a little bit of Radharani is in her heart, her heart. So, I mean, but try to, and, and the best way to serve that person, try to guarantee that the person is properly guided, so it grows in the direction of Madhyam, which is our second, next example. Uh, so Madhya Madhikar means intermediate practitioner, intermediate level of eligibility, and as Guru Maharaj says, it has a lot to do, or totally, it has a lot to do with making progress. Now, that's a concern. That's like the the place where the Madhyam Bhakti is vibrating in. Now, not like a paranoid way, because it can become also neurosis, <laughs> but in a very natural way. It's, it's a type of longing. Of course, it's not the longing that we come in Bhava Bhakti, but it's a type of longing. I want to make progress. I want to be progressive. I want to be dynamic. I don't want just to, uh, how to say, no? to, to, un- to understand the practice as remaining where I am. And that's all, I suppose. No? With time, you will realize you need something else to make your practice sustainable. Real sustainability is progress, basically. I mean, there is no sustainability without movement. You cannot sustain something just always in the same place. It's impossible. <laughs> Life, everything is constantly moving. So progress is... Sia Sermas would say progress is the law of nature. So what to say? Of our, of, of, of the internal nature of the soul. Progress is the law. So Madhyam Bhakti is someone who is starting to awake to that reality. No, I mean, there is no other way about apart from progress, whereas Guru Maharaj will say spiritual life is about change. It's another way of saying progress. <laughs> change for good, of course. <laughs> so that's the main concern of the Madhyam Bhakta, which implies Kanishta Dikari is not concerned with that. And that's what makes him a Kanishta Dikari. <laughs> as much as the Kanishta, by good association, start to realize, oh, so many other things are there to progress in that direction, he starts to become more 
Kanishta Kanishta, Kanishta Madhyam, Kanishta Uttam, Madhyam Kanishta. As you know, there are so many in between layers of these three general divisions. Mm-hmm. So, <coughs> between, in this stage, uh, the devotee becomes much more, as I say, essential. He connects even beyond what we call sometimes the Bapu and the Bani. Sometimes this is connected also there. There are many parallels we can do with these three divisions. No, We have the Bapu, the Bani, and the Bani of the Bani, as Guru Mahesh will say sometimes. So Kanista is more attached, attached to the Bapu, to the external form of whatever. In this case, Guru, instruction, but no? the Madhyam goes to the, the instruction. He doesn't depend on the physical form, the physicality of the instruction. He goes to certain level to the instruction and can be connected through through the instruction, not depending on the external form. <clears throat> and of course, Uttam, as we see, he goes right. As Guru Maharaj will say also once, there are three levels of understanding scripture. In a literal way, in an interpretative way, <laughs> and in an esoteric way. So we may connect all three stages. Once I ask him, and he says, yes, it can be Kanishta Madhya Uttam. Kanishta literal. Like the form is there, that's what's there, that's Bapu. The Madhyam interpreted. Interpretive. Inter- thank you. No? So there is a form, but there's something behind the form. Time, place, and circumstance, certain considerations, not to take just like copy paste. <laughs> and Uttam Bhakta, just reading another thing there, reading another reality in the deeper layers and unlimited layers of esoteric meaning, even in the most so-called ordinary situation. So in the Srimad Bhagavatam, in, in chapter 11, where there is this official description of the three types of devotees, the description of the Madhyam Bhakta is very similar to what here Rupa Goswami is saying. Here Rupa Goswami is inviting us to become a Madhyam Bhakta by knowing that there are three types of devotees <laughs> and we should properly correspond with them. And the Bhagavatam explains that the Madhyam Bhakta gives four categories. He worships or loves God. He um, expresses friendship towards Vaishnavas. He is compassionate towards the innocent. He avoids envious people. So four, four attributes of how he relates in different directions with different concerns. But the four, all of them in the spirit of service. That's the important thing. It's not that I worship God and with the newcomer I will help him a, a little bit. But I won't serve a newcomer. He has to serve no, no. And with the envious, how can I serve an envious? Well, Bismanat Chakravarti Thakur said the best thing you can do to serve an envious person is take some distance from him. It's just, it's in the, you will do that in the spirit of Seva. Even though it doesn't seem like Seva. I mean, running from someone, I'm serving you. <laughs> But it's, that shows how I'm becoming. It's envy, actually. No? That's why Bhagavatam is in Nirmatsaranam Sutam. I mean, you can, you will, you want to enter the Bhagavat, free yourself from envy, because if not, you cannot go beyond the first verse. You reach here, stop there. <laughs> so, it's the exact opposite to the principle of Sadhu Sangha, being envious, and the main root for aparat. I mean, you are envious, so immediately aparat is like appearing in your landscape, basically. So these four features that the Bhagavatam mentions as proper 
typical of the Madhyam Bhakta, uh, are all of them expressed in the spirit of Seba. If a newcomer comes, I will be merciful, I may act as a guide, as a senior person for him, but in my inner self, I'm just thinking in me in terms of I'm serving him. He needs that service. As I said at the beginning, I cannot treat him as I will treat my guru. Because for the newcomer, will be, why are you treating me like this? What's going on? <laughs> he needs a fatherly figure or whatever. No? So, humility takes different forms. That's the point. I mean, you remain a humble servant acting in different ways. <clears throat> Interestingly, in the purport to this verse, Sila Prabhupada says, that one should be accepted as Madhyam Adhikari when one is really initiated by a bona fide spiritual master and is seriously engaged in service. So I like the word really. <laughs> because you say, I'm initiated, huh? but really? <laughs> What's for Prabhupada? Really? <laughs> no? So again, the, and, and the point of Diksha, because the word Diksha is mentioned there, and uh, Chaitanya Charitamrita says this very nice line, Dikshakale Bhaktakare Atma Samarpana. It means Dikshakale, they say at the moment of Diksha, Dikshakale, Atmakare Tara Atma Sarvanapana. When you make uh, a full offering of your own self to Krishna, and you say, stop, stop, stop. That's Diksha? Yeah fully offering yourself. So you will say, oh, but I didn't do that yet. But I received Diksha, I think. Or not. Or yes. <laughs> or partially. Or maybe I received everything, but I have not taken everything that I received. And I have not properly honored the gift. No, The gift is there. I maybe took the packaging and looking at it, but I didn't go into the full diving into the content. So what's going on? <laughs> So, actually, initiation is a process. It's not an act that occurs once in time. I was initiated that day, and after that, I'm already initiated. No, that was the initiation of the initiation. No, <laughs> the beginning of the initiation. That is a whole process that fully establishes itself, as Guru Maharaj once said. When we have Sambandha Gyan fully established properly in our heart, Diksha process has been completed. Because some Diksha is connected with the idea of Sambandha, Madan Mohan. So Sambandha means just not just hearing some things here and there, I already initiated but when That Sambandha is really in play fully, Diksha is fully in place as well. So because of that, Prabhupada here is expanding the idea of Diksha as an ongoing process and not just every day I have to become more in a little bit more initiated than yesterday <laughs> a little bit much more student much more disciple of my guru embracing with more more tight, tightly the mantra I received in Harinam like this so but we see you know, how the Madhya Madhikar is really focusing serving properly every devotee no? that's a very important thing for the Madhya understanding who is who for the Uttam the Uttam is not characterized by by serving the devotees, because he sees everyone as devotees. <laughs> so he's characterized by serving the devotees. My point is, he's not discerning the devotees and something else. <laughs> because
because Uttam Bhakta is just the whole world is you know, drenched into the symphony of Harinam and because of that it's said that Uttam Bhakta cannot, cannot preach at least as an Uttam Bhakta he has to do some sort of arrangement to go down <laughs> and try to speak a language that you we, we could be able to understand some subtitles or something <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh, <clears throat> and also regarding what we said in the beginning the Madhyam Bhakta is really characterized by this idea of making progress and in the words of Shilasidhar Maharaj this would be connected to the word introspection and he very nicely he always connects introspection with one of the features of Saranagati which is Atmanikshepan which means offering myself as being property of God and he interestingly translates that as being introspective mm-hmm. like implying you really have to be introspective to really finally understand I do not belong to me nothing belongs to me I do not belong to me so the question that remains is who I belong to <laughs> oh you are being introspective at that point <laughs> and when you realize I belong to Krishna and I want consciously to offer myself to Krishna fully that's full introspection Atma Sumarpana so Atma Nikshepan sorry I, I mixed the word with the previous verse I was quoting Atma Nikshepan or sometimes Atma Nivedana these two varieties are there, but sometimes tr- translated as full surrender, but actually implies no, a sense of myself does not belong to me and it's the property of So maybe again the Madhyam Adhikar is again, of course, it's not an Uttam Adhikar, but at least it is said he should understand how the Uttam Adhikar is thinking. Now, in theory, maybe he's not fully awaked, awake, awakened mm-hmm. to that reality, because if not, he would be, in such a case, he would be an Uttamadhikari. But at least in theory, he should know what's going on in the inner world of the Uttamadhikari. That's part of being a Madhyamadhikari. That's part of his introspection as well. Trying to also appreciate the next stop in the the bus, not in the journey. <laughs> so in brief words, just to finish the idea of Madhyam, and before going to the Uttam section, and I think we'll be done today with this verse. <laughs> and as we were speaking before, the Madhyam Adhikar is really someone who is separating between principles and details, form and essence, whatever name you would like to give, Saragrahi, Barabahi, you know, the he has this capacity that is lacking in the Kanishna. Like the other day when the devotee wrote me and said, Maharaj, there are no details. Everything in the scripture is absolute. I said, oh my God. <laughs> that receives a name and it's called in my town, Kanishta. <laughs> no, everything is absolute. How can you say that something in the scripture is a detail? Like implying I'm being offensive to the scripture by considering something like secondary and something primary, but the, the same, the very scripture is saying that. So, it means you are not reading so much. No? And you, you, we know you should know this, because if not, we will relativize the absolute, and we will absolutize the relative. <laughs> so everything should be put in, in, in proper place. 
So the Madhyam starts to develop a feeling for the scripture. It doesn't have a mere, mere memorization of the text, just like repeating and quoting, but some feeling is there. But he needs, again, some nurturing to become eventually what we may call a Shastra Nipun, and a scriptural genius. That will pertain to Uttam section. But, so some nurturing is required yet. And again, he has Shastriya Shraddha in opposed to the weak faith of the Kanishta that sometimes, as Srila Maharaj will put it, fake, weak, fake, weak faith is a fake. <laughs> weak faith requires an enemy. No? So, Madhyam doesn't require enemies anymore. His faith is being nurtured from another side, a very substantial side, Shastriya Shraddha. He's developing this eye of, of faith. Hmm? So, and, and, and Madhyam Adhikar can associate with higher devotees even by, by Bani, as we say, by, by their instructions. But of course, it's very important for them to have the personal association of Uttam Bhaktas that will be really, uh, that will really promote their advancing towards the Uttam Bhakti stage as well. So, as you may, I, I think it's clear about the difference between first stage, second stage, as that we say before, it's not black and white. It's not that today I was a Kanista, but tomorrow I woke up and I'm now I'm a Madhyam Bhakta. Uh, you really very gradually start to move from one place to the other. So, let's go to the last one that here in this uh, verse has to do with an advanced devotee who is Engaged, Sila Rupa Goswami says in Ananya Bhakti. He has nothing to do apart from being drenched into the waves of devotion. <laughs> o Mahaprabhu would say, as he said before, Kanishta Bhakta is the one who says Hare Krishna once. <laughs> Madhyam Bhakta is the one who is chanting on a daily basis, Kirtaniya Sadahari with certain hmm, determination and fixation. And Uttam Bhakta is the one who even if he's not chanting, but just entering one room, everyone starts to, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, what's going on? <laughs> no. He makes other chant with his very presence. No. So, like a way of saying, he's really, I mean, he doesn't even need to open his mouth to be chanting. Everyone starts to chant just by seeing him. Every pore of his being is like, no. as, as, as I was reading last time in this Krishna Das Babaji's biography that Babru Prabhu published, there's a very nice story when Krishna Das Babaji, maybe you, you know it very brief, he was really in his last years and he went to the hospital. He was delicate in his health. And they put to him this, I don't know the names, how do you call this, stethoscope or whatever? No. But they put here and, and, and in, it appears in the screen, these movements. No? How do you call yeah. Heart rate. Okay. Okay. The name you want. So he was there, and generally, well, typical movements appear. No? In the case of Krishna Das Bhaji, the letters of the Harinam started to appear. No? Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna. Scientifically proved. No, I was there on the screen. No? Imagine the doctor was like, what? <laughs> Externally, he was totally unconscious. He was like, oh. But, Kirtan, what well, went on? I know, I know. Every pore of his Of course, you read his life and you realize he's like another Haridastakuru. He's a real Namachari extreme case of Uttam Bhakti. No? So, 
So in this, uh, the definition of Uttam Bhakti, as you imagine, Uttam, no? Tam is darkness, ignorance, and Uttam is totally beyond that. No? Like dark, no glimpse of darkness anymore, fully merged into <laughs> the highest reality. So in the Bhagavatam verse, famous verse, it says that the, that the Uttam Bhakti sees Krishna's everywhere and everything in connection to Krishna. I mean, it's totally uh, submerged, immersed, immersed in that in that reality. No? So everything he has the vision, everything. I mean, Sambanda Gyanis is extremely flourished in his case because Sambanda means Sambanda. Everything has a link with Krishna. Dutan Bhakti has been really thrown into that world. No? Like wherever he's there, she's directing the sight. As Mahaprabhu was teaching Sanskrit grammar, every word is, a, is the name of Krishna. Has to do because of this. It was not theory. theory. He was really seeing that. So he's seeing Krishna everywhere. I mean, we are not speaking about Maya, but here no? everything is Krishna. But everything is Krishna eventually. No? Abed. No? It's everything is Krishna. Abed. In a particular way. <laughs> In a specific way. So, <clears throat> Vishwanachakravarti Thakur implies that the, the Uttam Bhakta, the fact that he is or she is always seeing Krishna, as it's the person Bhagavad says, doesn't mean that he's always seeing Krishna, literally. like. But he has d- developed the qualification to see Krishna. No, he has the eye, Pramanjana Churita Bhakti Vilochanir. He has the eye of love to see Krishna. But it doesn't mean that Krishna is always there in front of him playing the flute, if you will. No? Because sometimes we tend to imagine, oh, he's seeing Krishna every moment. No, but he has the eye for that. No? So, which implies, well, basically, he's seeing Krishna in some form or other, in connection to him, everything related to him. And of course, sometimes seeing Krishna personally, <laughs> Darshan is there as well. But not necessarily always the Darshan Krishna, because he will not be able to operate at all, if you will, in that case. No? When that devotee enters eventually the Nitya Lila, we'll have that Darshan every single day of their life here, no? <laughs> if you will. But eventually, this, as we've read so many verses in the Gita, whoever always see me, I always see him, Again, that's I mean always oh, goes Krishna, very goes Krishna, no, but develop the eye for seeing Krishna, which is a lot. No, actually, no. he's here, he's there, he's everywhere. Whatever you put your eye, he's there. The Lord is there. So everything is speaking about the Lord in a proper way. Of course, what to speak about the gopis that they project, or, or the inhabitants of Vrindavan projecting their bhav and seeing everything is really speaking about Krishna. The trees are no, I, I'll bend over because Krishna just was walking here and this rock is melting because Krishna walked. Maybe it's their own melted heart that is just melting whatever they are seeing. No? As the Vedas say, Whatever you have in your inner world, you are projecting into the outer world. So if you have lust, you will feel... Oh, all of you are full of lust. If you have envy, you feel, oh, all these people are really envious. You project your own inner stuff. So if you are crazy of love about God, you start like to feel, oh, everything, everyone has devotion to Krishna. 
and in the deep humility of Prem, you will feel everyone has full love for Krishna except for myself. Now I'm studying a little bit the Benu Gita, and that's the, that's the case. The gopis are looking at everyone being affected by the sound of the flute, and appreciate. Oh, the deer is so fortunate. The cows look how they are just immersed in the flute, and the birds and the trees and the re- and they start to pray. Oh, they have so much love for Krishna. They are so fortunate. Everyone is so fortunate, but we are not so fortunate. So let's pray. So our next life, we are born as deers or as birds or as cows. But actually, they are in the highest position. <laughs> but the nature of Prem is deep humility. Till the point that everyone is a devotee of Krishna except me. When you are not so advanced, you think the opposite. No one is a devotee of Krishna except me. Except for me. <laughs> so, you try to... You use the thermometer, how do you say it? To, to see where are we standing in that regard. <laughs> So in the case of Uttam Bhakta, he really feels, in a subjective, real way, I, I once Narasimha said that, he feels that his guru has taken possession of every atom of his being. Sounds nice, no? <laughs> when, oh, the, when that day will become. Kabi, Habi, say this more. So that's not just an idea, but the, the Uttam Bhakta feels, oh, Sri Guru Dev has taken full control and position of every atom of my being and it's been just like carrying his service <laughs> and as we say the, the, the Uttam is not qualified quote unquote to preach <laughs> because he's qualified for something about preaching <laughs> if you will sometimes he may come down and act as a madhyam and show that criteria of a same divine arrangement and preach while still being an Uttam in a certain point Many cases are there, of course. And we have been very blessed with those cases close to our lives. But the point is that if mainly the Madhyam is characterized by preaching, so, and the Uttam is above the Madhyam stage, so there must be something higher than preaching. And, and I know that for many devotees that's a dif- difficult pill to swallow. And to say there's, preaching is not everything. But the idea is to develop love of Krishna and do something. No, I mean, all of them, they're not preaching. They're not a bag with books. They're, they do not even know one single verse of the Vedas. So they, <laughs> no, but we won't preach that openly because, of course, if we say, stop preaching, all of you, I mean, we will go to hell, basically. <laughs> so we need that to preach and to receive the preaching. But we should understand there's certain level with some other type of service, higher services. There, I remember one devotee once said to Srila Prabhupada, at that time, as Guru Mas always says, no? he would say, Oh, this city, oh, open a temple there. No. The, the train was going, Oh, nice city, go down here and open a temple. <laughs> so, in this, in this dynamics, one devotee once said to Srila Prabhupada, Oh, Prabhupada, I was thinking about opening a temple in Radhakunda. So Prabhupada say, huh? <laughs> yeah, oh, preaching, preaching. Like Prabhupada said, for, for what? Which is the reason of opening the temple in Radhakunda? And the devotee like very innocent to say, well, for preaching? Oh, like you always say that. <laughs> and Prabhupada say, no, no. Say, Radhakunda is not the place for ordinary things like preaching, he say. 
which also, of course, implies preaching is not ordinary, but that place is super extraordinary, that such point that makes preaching ordinary. In the point, there are no one to preach there. I mean, Radha Kundis is a place for, for liberated souls. The fact that some nonsense people is there is another thing, that may be also. <laughs> but the sight in itself, the vibration, whatever, what it represents, it's why, why about, I mean, we're highly about preaching. No? So, so as Guru Maharaj said, when you have preached enough, and you have done your part in that regard, Krishna will come, will shut your mouth, I will throw you to the Rolila to perform some specific service there. No? <laughs> he will make their preachings go. Uh, what's the name for the one who cannot speak? Mona. Hmm? Mona. Well, okay, Sanskrit. Mona. So Mona Lila. And, and do something there. No? So, well, basically, these ideas of, of how to conceive these three levels of. Of devotees is what Srila Rupa Goswami mentions in the fifth verse. I think, yes, tomorrow we may continue with the sixth one. But again, he was mainly mentioning that last previous verse how to lovingly have loving exchange with devotees, and now, okay, but there are different levels of devotees. So you have to know how to express that general idea of loving exchange in a specific way for that to, to, to give it most proper fruit to each, in, in each case, in each particular necessity. So, tomorrow we will see, no, tomorrow not, the day after tomorrow we will see the verse number 6, which Sri Rupa Goswami will speak about. In line with this, how to appreciate so-called apparent defects in the Vaishnava. Physical defects, psychic defects, defects, yeah, imperfections. That's also very connected to the idea of being a Madhyam, who will separate between the formal and the essential, as in this case he's separating between different categories of devotees and properly honor each of them. So we can stop here, but I don't know if there is any question or comment, whatever, here live, present there, some virtual commentary or any of you. Okay.